Hello, I'm Russell Shaw, a Senior Market Specialist at FXM. Welcome to FXM Market Talk, your trading and finance podcast. Since 1999, FXM has provided global traders access to the world's largest and most liquid markets. Keep listening to get our quality market commentary and analysis. Hello everyone and thank you for joining. This is FXM Market Talk, your trading and finance podcast. Today is Tuesday, it's the 6th of December. Joining me in a few moments is FXM Senior Market Specialist, Nick Tsaburis. My name is Russell Shaw, I'm also a Senior Market Specialist at FXM. Before I bring Nick in, I just want to remind everyone that um, Nick and I will be speaking on a general um, general commentary basis. Please don't take this as investment advice at all. Um, it's not to be regarded as investment advice. In fact, I would urge you to listen all the way to the end of our podcast because we'll have our regional disclaimers up next. Uh, Nick, are you there? Hi, Russell. Yes, I'm here. Good to be talking with you. And of course, I uh, hope our listeners are going to enjoy another uh, eventful podcast, let's say. I, I, I hope so, Nick. I, I, yeah. I'll be honest, I've been very eager to actually uh, speak to you uh, because we've had, um, I don't think this last week has been particularly easy and I, I'd like to get your views on it, obviously. Um, so it's, it's going to be a fairly interesting discussion, don't you think? Yeah, I definitely hope so. <laughs> we definitely had many <laughs> data points and news uh, that are essentially all interconnected. So it's a lot to go through yeah. and process I, I think, them all. I think, Nick, let's start with perhaps the most surprising one, or, or to me was quite a big surprise. It was the non-farm payroll, but not the payroll job numbers in particular. I'm referring to the average hourly earnings, which came in with a big upside Surprise there. What did you make of that? Yeah, so I'd say that uh, me, for me too, that was what sort of stuck out the most, the wage part. And that's because the hourly earnings are uh, essentially wage inflation, right? So we had high figures, um, higher compared to previous readings and compared to what was expected. So that definitely uh, shows that inflation uh, pressures could persist. And now, of course, uh, the the payrolls themselves will were also, you know, an upside surprise because it was a strong report on that front as well. So, if someone looks at this last uh, jobs report, it definitely you know shows that more work needs to be done from the Fed, right? Yes. So for me, I tell you where. Um... I tell you where the sort of ambiguity comes in for myself because the day before we had a, a good PCE reading or a core PCE moderated, um, and all of a sudden you get this blowout wage inflation figure, and the, the, on the one hand you're thinking, well, maybe we're getting pretty close to the uh, the end of the current cycle, and then the next day you think. I don't see how we can possibly be at the end of the at the current cycle. So there's quite a bit of ambiguity for me that's sort of snuck in. Yeah, and that's what I sort of hinted earlier on, that there are some data points that are maybe contradictory to a certain extent. Uh, but one also has 
to to take into account the time period of its uh, data sets because the PC figures, the inflation figures were from October where the jobs report was from November. So definitely a, a lot to process, yeah. Very, very, very good point. I'll tell you something that I did, Nick, um, because I'm a little bit sort of bewildered by this wage inflation. Um, I know it's been really um, talked about. It's been a major news item in the media. So I put, I put on a 52-week rate of change just on um, U.S. wages. There's no doubt that there's a tick up. You can clearly see it. Although the rate of change has been trending down. So I am hoping that this is a data point and not a trend. But if it turns out to be a trend, well, that can be meaningful, can't it? Yeah. Uh, definitely. So for me, as, as I said, I think this is a report that definitely keeps the Fed on fairly on a tightening path, but we'll see about how this will progress. But there's also another thing. We also had the GDP figures. We had the, the second reading for uh, the third quarter, which also very strong at 2.9% and higher than the, the first reading. So this is still a preliminary figure. And it's also a, a big change from the previous contractory two quarters, right? So also that probably shows that more job is needed from the Fed. Yes. So now, I, I was yeah. just going to say, so is there perhaps a swivel going back from sort of the inflation now to economic activity and, and, and we kind of toing and froing between the two? Yeah, and of course, one needs to take into account the sort of the lagging effect of the Fed's policy. And uh, I think having already done so much work and with other, um, you know, other factors, we, we, we've talked about how this we're at crossroads, at crossroads for the Fed, at crossroads potentially for the economy, for inflation. It looks like inflation is peaking, but again, we've been there before, right? where it seems to pick and it doesn't, so. Yeah, the, the one other data point perhaps I, I'm gonna uh, just mention here um, is, uh, of course, it, it didn't come out last week, but I'm a big follower of the of this, the median CPI. And I just wonder, um, you know, if that has any sort of meaning because it has tapered, it has a, uh, hit an apex. It has, it does look it's, like it's hit its turning point but again, as we said earlier, one data point doesn't make that trend. And uh, for me, um, I think CPR is probably coming out next week. I'm going to be very, very... Yeah, right before the Fed decision, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a very, very um, important CPI yeah. number that comes out. Now, talking about the next meeting and the CPI, the next meeting, the CPI comes right before it. Um, we can say that Powell last week rubber-stamped a 50 basis points hike, right? Yeah, yeah. You're referring to the Brookings Institution delivery, right? Yeah. And yeah. that would constitute a downshift from the Fed after a series of historically large 0.75% increases. Uh, but of course, let's see if there's a curveball there in the in the CPI print. But so here is the thing for me. I don't think we heard anything new from Powell, right? No, I think that he stuck to the script. Yeah, but once again, we saw markets reacting to, to the part that they wanted, to a slowdown in the pace of hikes. Yeah, what do you make of that? I mean, the, the, the markets, it's on edge, right? 
Yeah, markets are edging. They're very sensitive, uh, and this they react in either way. I either you know Wall Street rises or drops based on the on the data we get. But maybe we're also paying too much attention sometime to to some figures. But I will. I want to to say this. Powell, uh, Sir Powell, did talk of a fifty basis of not not a fifty of a slowdown, slow which could start in December. But he also talked of a higher terminal rate again than previously expected, and the Fed has shifted away focus from the pace to the terminal rate and to how long they need. That we yeah. need to stay restrictive, right? Nick, what you're saying, yeah, I just want to emphasize is hugely important. Um, I, I want to just uh, keep on it for, for a moment. So, um, uh, in effect, the emphasis has now been moved to um, to terminal rate. Is, is that what we're saying? Yeah, and not only to the actual peak rate, but also how long they will need to stay high, rates will need to stay high. In other words, I'll keep pu pushing the terminal rate out. Yeah, exactly. And markets have been gyrating sort of if it's going to be the terminal rate 5 or 5.25%. Mm -hmm. uh, but they also seem to think, for me, it seems that they think uh, that, the, that the Fed will also start cutting rates again within the next year. So um, that, that may be interesting to see. So but, but the Fed says that we need to stay restrictive. Yeah, so I was going to say it's a bit of a disconnect, isn't it? So I mean, what one one school of thought is saying, well, we're going to work on the terminal rate and push it out, and the next school of thought is saying, well, we're going to we're going to hit the terminal rate and, and cut almost immediately. It doesn't really sound quite uh, yeah doesn't doesn't sound quite right. Yeah, and that's what we will also be looking at next week's decision for more insights into that. And we're also going to have, but we'll talk about that in the next podcast, but we're also going to have the updated projections. Uh, so that's also going to be a focal point then and maybe give us uh, more insights into what so, the Fed has so been just, taking. Just before I bring us into this week, Nick, I just want to sort of uh, make sure I'm, I'm, I'm following you. So the markets are eddy. They're very sensitive. So we had um, Chair Powell speaking at the Brookings Institution. The market took that as extremely dovish and, and, and rallied. Then all of a sudden we get a, um, a figure that has concerned the market. I'm talking specifically to the average hourly earnings. And then that I think is a good segue into what happened yesterday because we got upside surprises yesterday as well, didn't we? Yeah, it was the services activity uh, strong report, the um, <clears throat> SMI and also strong factory orders and markets seem to react a lot to it thinking that the economy is strong which which is we can say it is uh, but they reacted heavily to it and dollar actually rallied and Wall Street plans because they think that the Fed will keep at it let's say uh, so we see how they react strongly to its data sets and to different directions and that's definitely something we need to, you know, look out. So besides the, um, the, the data coming out sort of on uh, the US side, there was other uh, movements, particularly over the weekend. Um, I'm talking to um, oil and we've got two sides there, don't we? We've got, we've got China and we've got OPEC Plus. Can you just run us or, or take us through your thinking process there? Yeah, so one thing that is 
a focal point for for markets is the China situation around the China pandemic situation. We've seen that um, cases there, infections are very high. But you know, since the, we've talked about it again, they follow this strict zero COVID policy of lockdowns, which essentially a handful of cases can lock down communities, factories, and all that stuff. And right. we also saw protests recently there, and, and it seems like mark um, authorities there are easing their policies and that has created some optimism of course china is the world's second biggest economy and uh, biggest importer of oil and then i think that this easing sort of helped opec not opec plus not to uh go with of course we need to remind that what they hold steady was the previous output cut plan announced in october which is by massive two million barrels per day so uh, they're definitely supporting prices and have shown willingness to uh, adjust further but they stayed on the sidelines and i think that the situation the 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 improve the easing of china lockdowns um measures lockdown measures i think helped them uh, a little bit to to not go more aggressively and we also had uh, action uh, from eurozone and the g7 on the on russian oil they finally agreed uh, on a price cap for seaborne oil from russia to 60 dollars a barrel which of course is we would say high right yeah i'm not sure all the uh, members were happy with that price yeah, Poland was the one that was sticking out, but uh, yeah. they, they needed something stricter. But uh, essentially, they they at the end they reached an agreement, and of course there is also a, a ban for Europe for imports in in Europe uh, as well of seaborne Russian oil. So definitely, uh, you know, little by little, all these things probably add up. Um, with the with the talk about uh, the eurozone price cap. Um, the ban, um, etc. Is that going to affect ECB in any way? Yeah, I'm not sure if they're going to uh, affect uh, the ECB. Maybe they will think like if European leaders came to an agreement around this, maybe we can come into an agreement about the next hike move. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> because there is some division there on this front, right? Whether they're going to do next. Yeah, I mean, they've been pretty vocal, a, a lot of the members. Yeah, uh, so... The ECB was late to the whole tightening thing, monetary tightening, but they've definitely been super aggressive. And now they're they're thinking of maybe producing a smaller move. They had hiked by 75 BPS. Yeah. Now yeah. they're thinking of going 50. It would make sense. Uh, but again, it's hard to know because there are many different opinion, but opinions. But the ones who favor a downshift seems to be more vocal. Uh, at this stage, at least. And uh, it's also going to be interesting to see if at the next meeting, which is also in the upcoming week, uh, we're going to get any more insights around the the terminal rate, which they have... The, the, the communication hasn't been uh, particularly yeah. strong around that point, has it? Yeah, and they do that on purpose, of course. They, they have admitted that. Because they, <laughs> they, I, I don't think they, they know. I don't think they know either. Oh, and even yeah. if they did know, I'm not sure they think. I'm not sure if they can get to it. To be quite honest. Yeah, and there's a lot of uncertainty, and part of it is uh, the energy situation. 
just around before um, we get onto the RBA and BOC, I mean, the GDP quarter unquote is, is due out. It's not, a, I mean, they've avoided recession, but the forecast not particularly high, is it, Nick? Yeah, it's a half full, half uh, empty glass situation, I think. Yeah. Uh, for me, I prefer to view it as that they have avoided a recession. Yeah. Uh, and the because the preliminary figures were, figure were surprisingly 0.2%. But, uh, you know, the, the, the jury is still out on the whole recession thing. Now, the ECB does not pre project the recession unless the energy situation gets far worse. So far, Europe has been lucky because it has been a mild weather so far. That's right. And that helps with um, natural gas. But we're going to have to see how this play out, plays out. Sorry. Um, so de definitely... A figure to look out uh, to, to look out for, and I'm pretty sure that the ECB officials will also closely follow it. Yeah, I mean, the ECB though. So we've we've spoken about minimum fifty basis points, um, yeah. but they're not the only bank that that's um, in the on the calendar this week. We've had actually RBA earlier this morning. Yeah, so the the Reserve Bank of Australia has already slowed the the pace of rate hikes uh it it hiked again by 25 basis points that was the third of this move of this size actually sorry and rates now stand at 3.1 percent which is the highest in 10 years now of and course yeah. go ahead go ahead i, I think the... yeah so this was a downshift from pre yeah. these last few meetings have been a downshift from bigger hikes uh previously in the year but there is there is more tightening to come, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think that was a bit hawkish because they said that they do expect more tightening ahead. And the inflation situation doesn't help there because it's been quite high and they expect to, to go even higher within the year. So that definitely doesn't help. And But they're definitely trying to avoid a hard, la hard landing. And... We'll see if they're doing a good job around that soon enough, I guess. Yeah. And of course, we've got Bank of Canada, who is... I find the Bank of Canada also very difficult to... Uh, they don't they don't uh, telegraph their, um, their, their, their hikes. Yeah. I mean, they, they, I think, surprised to the upside at one stage. And then I think the very last meeting, as you pointed out to, to me, is uh, they, um, they're actually surprised to the downside. Yeah, so earlier in the year, they, they went all in with a full percentage hike, which yeah. was definitely a lot. But then we have seen them, uh, you know, easing. And the last one was a 51. And that that surprised markets. They expected the higher one. So uh, I, I don't know if they can go big again. It looks like and from what, uh, you know, we see on the calendars and the projections, it's probably going to be another 50. But... Again, there is definitely room for surprise based on what, what we have seen recently. Yeah. And then, of course, we do have uh, President Lagarde speaking this week, and I think it's Thursday at uh, the Systemic Conference. Yeah. And uh, where's the, the figures, the GDP figures we talked about earlier on Wednesday, just for reference there, yeah. Um, Nick, it does seem that 
We're still obviously in a hiking cycle, but um, all the banks that we've spoken about generally have slowed their their, their hiking cycle. Yeah, they have either slowed or looking to slow. Yeah, and uh, it makes sense because we, you and I have talked about this. Uh, that there with this crossroads where there may be a shift in uh, in policy. So it looks like we are there, and it makes sense because they have made. You know, they run their most aggressive cycles in decades. For the Fed, it's more than three decades, probably for the ACB in its history. So it, it's one has to maybe think of what to do next. I tell you, Nick, from, from my point of view, although it's not a big data point, I know that um, the PPI is coming out on Friday. Um, I, I do like looking at it in this particular environment because... I mean, it's a very tricky environment that we're trying to analyze here. But I guess if you take a look at the 70s, which was really a stagflationary period as well, the interaction between PPI and, and core CPI, just when they cross to the upside and when, when it crossed back down to the downside, um, those seem to be uh, pretty good signals, uh, technical signals in terms of uh, peaks and, um, and troughs of, um, of, of inflation, or let me say troughs and peaks. And I just wonder if the core PPR is coming down, if we do get some sort of intersection, if that um, is indicative of, of some sort of peak. Um, I don't want to uh, say it uh, with any absolute confidence, but I will be watching that that one with interest. Yeah, obviously, but that's very uh, interesting insight there. Yeah. Anything, um, anything else on your um, agenda, Nick? Yeah, no, obviously, uh, you know, we covered most of the things that are on our radar and they have definitely been eventful weeks so it's been quite of a ride recently so <laughs> as we uh, are in the last stretch of the year so definitely uh, we'll be closely lo looking all, all um, developments yeah for sure thank you so much Nick we'll catch up again next week uh, thank you so much for your insight thank you I uh, just want to urge our listeners to listen all the way to the end we can have our regional disclaimers up next FXM Limited, www.fxm.com forward slash UK. CFDs are complex instruments and come with a high risk of losing money rapidly due to leverage. 71% of retail investor accounts lose money when trading CFDs with this provider. You should consider whether you understand how CFDs work and whether you can afford to take the high risk of losing your money. FXM Australia, you can sustain a total loss of deposits. Please refer to our product disclosure statement at www.fxm.com forward slash AU. FXCM markets, losses can exceed deposits. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, other information or references to third-party sites contained in this podcast are provided on an as-is basis as general market commentary and do not constitute investment advice. The market commentary has not been prepared in accordance with legal requirements designed to promote the independence of investment research and it is therefore not subject to any prohibition on dealing ahead of dissemination. Although this commentary is not produced by an independent source, FXM takes all sufficient steps to eliminate or prevent any conflicts of interest arising out of the production and dissemination of this communication. Past performance is not an indicator of future results.